the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Salute the jerk. Hey, it's been a busy week. Lots of jerks doing and saying lots of stupid things, like the guy who wanted to replace the Star-Spangled Banner with John Lennon's Imagine. Hey, makes our job a little tougher on Fridays, because you know what we do around here every Friday. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Yeah, sometimes a winner jumps right out at you, but we had to sort through some names to come up with a winner, and it may be a name you don't recognize right away. Does the name Ned York mean anything to you? Well, he's the CEO of the San Francisco 49ers. You may remember that the 49ers were Colin Kaepernick's last team. He was wearing their uniform when he started taking the knee. The 49ers are obviously feeling guilty and feeling a strong need to virtue signal because on Monday they raised a new flag, and right now it's flying at the same height as the American flag and a little higher than the California state flag outside Levi Stadium, which is the home of the 49ers. If Black Lives Matter was only uh, about drawing attention to police brutality against blacks, that might be understandable, even though the data show that it's not a major problem. But we've learned that Black Lives Matter is about a lot more than that, and it's about a lot more than a slogan, a flag, or even a T-shirt. It's a Marxist organization with a goal of ending capitalism, blowing up the nuclear family, and pretty much blowing up American history and American values. So why would anybody think it's a good idea to fly the Black Lives Matter flag with the American flag? Well, because you want a virtue signal. And maybe because you're afraid to disagree with anything that Black Lives Matter stand for because you'll be called a racist. Or maybe you just don't really know anything about the organization. Or maybe it's just because you're a jerk. And in this case, Ned York is this week's Windows R Us Jerk of the Week. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. And by the way, a little later in our show, we will talk to a guy from FrontOfficeSports.com about the uh, planning that's going on in uh, in the NFL offices to uh, you know talk about what's going on with the national anthem, what will go on with. National, Am, uh, National Anthem Productions before NFL games. But when we come back after this break, we're going to talk about Texas and COVID-19 and whether it's time uh, to panic. It's not, by the way. Stick around. The people in this movie share three things in common. They're courageous They've had a life-changing experience. And they're black American conservatives. These are the voices of the movie, Uncle Tom. I don't remember the actual day, but I remember the emotion that I felt when it, when it happened. I'm often asked, was there an epiphany? I started asking questions. As I became more politically aware. A lot of the way that I saw things began to change. All of this information I've been taking in for several years. A continuation of these kind of contradictions. I had bought into all of these lies. You begin to see what the real agenda is. This is the movie the leftist Democrats do not want you to see. These are the people they do not want you to hear. Their stories will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. Their courage will challenge you. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view. UncleTom.com. Do you have the courage to discover the truth? Traveling internationally may not have been a priority for you in recent weeks. 
But as our country and others around the world start to reopen, we're confident it will be safe to travel to the Holy Land this December. Israel has already reopened to the public while maintaining safe social distancing. In fact, an independent organization recently rated Israel as the number one country on its COVID-19 safety ranking. There is no better time than now to sign up to join Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Mike Lindell from MyPillow on the Stand with Israel tour this December 2nd through 11th. Visit TheAnswerPGH.com keyword Israel to register. Seize the moment to celebrate life, freedom, and your faith by signing up to visit the inspiring Holy Land. Here's the best part. If for any reason you can't go, cancel without a penalty between now and August 14th. Reserve your spot today and travel to Israel this December with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Mike Lindell. Visit TheAnswerPGH.com keyword Israel. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. Genesis 950 with water breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can even be used in a carpet cleaning machine. And it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Before you purchase new carpets, you must try Genesis 950. It's made in America. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950's not not just for pet stains. It's a disinfectant that kills viruses. It can be used on surfaces and floors by mixing one-third Genesis 950 with two-thirds water. Apply to surface and clean with fresh water. It's great for floors, bathrooms, kitchens, garages, grease stains, wheels, tires, decreasing engines, and upholstery. It's available on Amazon. However, if you order a gallon direct at Genesis950.com, you'll receive a free spray bottle and discount using code SALEM. That's Genesis950.com. Genesis950.com. Code Salem. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. I think it's safe to say that there are a lot of people in the media right now who are rooting for COVID-19 in certain states, uh, Florida and Texas, for example. Uh, They open soon and uh, maybe too soon, according to the media, and the media accuse them of being reckless. And any increase in cases will be portrayed as proof that those uh, governors in those states were wrong. Chuck DeVore is vice president of national initiatives at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. He joins us now. Chuck, thanks for being here. Hey, great to be with you. So uh, is and should Texas be in a panic right now? Well, I don't think Texas ought to be in a panic. Uh, Certainly we ought to be very soberly looking at the numbers and making uh, very careful decisions about the best uh, public health response. Uh, I think that where I got fired up to write the article that you asked me to come on uh, your show uh, about the article in the Federalist this morning was there were just all these very irresponsible reports from both the media and from politicians on the left that we were running out of uh, ICU beds, we were running out of hospital beds, and people were going to start dying. In fact, that's exactly what one of the more left-wing members of the legislature out of Houston said uh, yesterday. Uh, and that prompted me to write my piece in rebuttal. And so what I was looking at was, uh, as, as a lot of your listeners probably know, hospitals have to make money. And if they don't make money, they've got to lay off doctors and nurses and specialists, and they can't buy all that fancy equipment that helps save our lives. And so hospitals like to operate, you know, just like a hotel, right, 70, 80, 90% capacity. And so in, when COVID came along, we pushed out a lot of regular patients to make room for the potential of virus patients. And as you saw, all across the country, uh, 
couple months ago, there were layoffs left and right. Well, Texas is no different. And so what they were saying is, oh, look, in Houston, you only have 3 or 5% of your ICU beds left. We're going to run out of intensive care unit beds. Well, if you looked at the numbers, 70% of the beds were occupied by non-COVID patients. Yeah, so that's just one thing that, that, that was uh, creating the panic and some of the cheering maybe uh, among some of the media around the country. Um, so those, uh, those uh, that's, that's 70%. That's a result of people who may have been blocked out of going for uh, elective uh, surgeries and, and maybe uh, some of that stuff that was you know, making the hospitals run at less than capacity. Those people are now being serviced. Well, right, and of course, a lot of people were also afraid to go because of a lot of the, yeah. the uh, scaremongering that was going on. So, generally speaking, because an ICU is the most expensive thing in a hospital to operate, generally the hospitals like to keep them at eighty to ninety percent capacity all the time, constantly, no matter what's going on. And so, the fact that in in Houston, in some hospitals, we were operating at ninety five to ninety seven percent of which about 70% were people who, who were not suffering from the virus, caused people to just you know scream and pull their hair out. Now, what they weren't talking about is that these hospitals have what's called a sustainable surge capacity. That's uh, where they can increase their ICU capacity without any problem. They can keep it going as long as they want to. And in the Houston area, the sustainable surge capacity equaled more than all of the COVID patients in the ICU units at this time. That's for sustainable. Then they can go to unsustainable surge capacity, which doubles it again. And, oh, by the way, if things get bad, they can stop doing some of these elective surgeries. They can delay them a little bit and make some room. So the bottom line is, no, we're not about to run out of ventilators. We're not even remotely about to run out of ICU units. And here's the important thing. Our fatalities as the result of COVID-19 in Texas. Now, Texas has about 54% more people than does New York. If you look at the, the average people who have been dying in each of these two states, the second and the fourth most populous states in the country, in the last week, we've suffered about 22 people per day, according to the New York Times. In New York, it's been about 37 people per day. And yet you don't hear about New York. Oh, we, they, you know, they flatten their curve. They're done. And the, the crazy thing is you go on the New York Times website and you look at this, and the scale for the fatalities for New York runs from zero to 1,000 because they had a lot of people, unfortunately, die in New York. Well, the scale in Texas runs from zero to 40. And the graphics look the same, right, because they're the same size. It's just that yeah. one has a scale <laughs> that's more than 20 times the size of the other one. So so that's part of the frustration, right? You don't hear a lot of media talking about New York right now because they like Governor Cuomo. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's the right flavor. So we're not going to talk about New York, even though they made a lot of really bad mistakes that, in retrospect, killed right. a lot of people. Well, um, and I also saw just a few minutes ago um, that Florida's taking some heat right now, too. More people died in uh, New York today than died in Florida. And, you know, everybody's in a panic about what's happening down in Florida, too. Um, yeah. So, so, so there's very interesting things in both of these states, right, both Texas and Florida. If you look at the demographic data, and Florida's been publishing theirs daily, we just have um, reports coming out of Texas. We don't actually have the, the raw data. We'd like to have it. But in Florida, what you're seeing is a very large increase in these new cases are among the young. And as we know young people are at very, very low risk of having serious complications from COVID. Yep. And in Almost many cases, zero. when they get hospitalized, they're just hospitalized for observation or, or just to have some fluids, and then they're out within two days. Not so if you're an older person. You may be in there for a week to 10 days, and then there's a really good probability that you might pass away if you have COVID and you're over age 70, for example. So what you're seeing is in, in some of these states where there's a current surge of of new cases, it appears to be largely among the young. Now, some of these people were out protesting. I know that in Arizona and California and Texas, there seems to be evidence that a lot of people are coming up from south of the border, 
fleeing Mexico's very rickety and weak uh, medical system. And, of course, the public health officials and politicians down there decided that they really couldn't do much, so they, they really didn't uh, try all that hard to, to uh, counter COVID. So a lot of those individuals are coming to America because under federal law, if you show up in an emergency room, it doesn't matter if you're here legally or illegally or where you're from or whether you have insurance or not, you've got to be treated. So that may be contributing to it as well. So there's a lot of factors going on here, and uh, I really think the folks that are trying to shame uh, some of these more conservatively governed states really need to get some perspective and look at some of these other places that really aren't doing so well. And you mentioned um, that Houston is um, prepared if the surge should uh, really um, surge, you know, become um, much higher. Um, How much of that is a result of what the governor and his staff did to prepare? I mean, were they, did they, is that, is that not an accident that they are prepared for uh, after opening that they would have some kind of a surge? Well, I think uh, you're onto something with that. Uh, you know, one of the fortunate things about what happened in Texas and a few of the other states is we got to see what happened in some of the states that it hit hard first, uh, Washington State, uh, New Jersey, uh, obviously Pennsylvania, New York. And so what Governor Abbott did, uh, he had a former member of the House who's an anesthesiologist, Dr. John Zerwas, and he put Dr. Zerwas in charge of the effort. And in a briefing that I watched uh, two weeks ago uh, out of the governor's uh, office, uh, Dr. Zerwas mentioned that from the beginning of the crisis in March to this point uh, sometime in early June, we had increased our bed capacity in Texas by 89%. Um, That's a pretty significant increase to, to get prepared for the worst. Yeah, they were so they were prepared for this. So, what about uh, California? They had a major shutdown. You talk about it on your piece at the Federalist. We're talking to Chuck Devore. He's the vice president of national initiatives at the Texas Public, uh, Public Policy Foundation. You can see his piece at thefederalist.com. Um, California had a major shutdown, uh, and you mentioned that in your piece and how their numbers have compared to Texas. Right. So obviously the two most populous states in the nation are are California and Texas. They're very, very similar demographically. They're both majority-minority states. I used to be a lawmaker in California for six years. I was in the state legislature out there, so I know a fair bit about the state. And if you look at the two biggest states on a per capita basis, uh, the number of cases in uh, California uh, is about 9% uh, more than in Texas. And the number of fatalities is a share of the population uh, is, as I recall, a little over 80% more. Uh, And so what's fascinating to me about this is that California was much more aggressive in its shutdown and and stay-in-place orders than was Texas. In fact, uh, Governor Newsom just a a day or two ago uh, put back out an order that if you leave your house, you've got to have a face mask on. I guess it doesn't matter if you're up hiking in the Sierra or out on the right. beach or something with you know a lot of UV rays and, and nice sunshine killing the virus, you got to have a mask on. And so one of the things I thought was fascinating is if you look at each state and the increase in unemployment uh, from from February to to the most recent month, that's kind of a, a proxy for how severe the shutdown was. You know, if you have a lot of unemployed people, it really means that that generally speaking, government, both state and local, told people you can't go to work. You know, your livelihood is of secondary importance to us. You've got to stay home. And so if you compare the two biggest states, if Texas's unemployment rate only rose as much, or pardon me, if California's unemployment rate only rose as much as did Texas, there'd be 600,000 people more working in California today. Uh, so you ask yourself, what did it buy you, California? I mean, you know, you got an extra 600,000 people out of work compared to Texas. What did it get you? Well, a death rate that's a lot higher than Texas, and a case rate that's higher than Texas. So, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to tell if these measures were uh, worth the additional economic pain. The problem, of course, is it isn't just a a one-sided deal, right? You're not just saving lives or flattening the curve. Uh, You're also causing other disruptions. For example, suicide. We know that young Mm -hmm. people... Uh, are are very resilient and not at risk uh, very much for this virus. And yet if you look at suicides across the country, 
just a small change, a very, very small change upward in the rate of suicides among young people will kill far more of our young than this virus will ever take. And then you look at their education. How much education have we, we uh, lost that they can never recover? What's that going to do to their future earnings potential and their ability to buy a house eventually and start a family? So there's all kinds of secondary effects that, unfortunately, we don't seem to be paying much attention to in this single-minded focus to uh, confront the virus. Yeah, uh, unseen consequences. Uh, the media don't seem all that curious about them. Well, right. I mean, it's it's a problem, of course, that, that we've had for a long time. Uh, you know, it's, it's human nature, right? We, we perceive risk uh, very irrationally in many cases, right? The... the the uh, you know as I wrote in the piece, if you have if you have ten people that, that caught the virus and the next day you have twenty, well the media will say that's a doubling, right? You went from ten to twenty. Oh my goodness! But if you have a thousand cases and you went to eleven hundred, well that's only you know ten percent increase. That's a big yawn. Well, a hundred more people got the virus in that second uh, example, not just ten. And so that's similar to how we view uh, the consequences from this virus in the sense that the media is constantly focused on the bad news uh, only uh, related to the virus and not willing at all to talk about, well, what happens when someone loses their life savings in the small business they started? What happens when, when a, a child uh, loses a year of education? What does that do to their ability to earn a living? Uh, what happens when, when our children lose their uh, network of friends and aren't able to get out of the house and visit with people? Um, are they more likely to become addicted to drugs? Are they more likely to commit suicide? Uh, these are things that, unfortunately, we haven't, I think, really been talking about. And if you compare this virus, as bad as it's been, with, for example, the Asian flu outbreak in 1968, which I have kind of dim memories of, uh, you know, you look at that, and, and on a proportional basis, at least so far, more people died from that than have died from COVID or are likely to die. Uh, and yet, uh, back in 1968, there were other things going on, right? And people don't really hear much or, or have that much um, perception or knowledge about the Asian flu in 1968 and 69. Uh, but it was a thing, and it was kind of big, but we certainly didn't shut down the economy. No, and I, I ask uh, people, uh, anytime I have someone on to talk about this, the same question, and uh, it's when this is over, what... We'll, Will the debate be about who overreacted the most? It, it may be. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're good uh, in this country about having any sort of a sober or, or rational debate. It'll, it'll be hyper-partisanized, and, and there'll be a lot of finger-pointing. And The thing yeah. that really concerns me is, is there is uh, significant uh, circumstantial evidence uh, that this virus uh, came out of a bio-lab in uh, Wuhan, China. Now, whether it was purposefully released or released by mistake because they had very pro, uh, poor uh, safety protocols that they were following. In fact, uh, there's quite a bit of evidence that they were pretty slipshod in, in, in that. We do know, though, that the Chinese Communist Party covered it up, and they lied to the U.N.'s World Health Organization, and they said, oh, everything's fine, you know, let's continue international flying, etc. Well, what happens if, just speculating, what happens if that same lab is directed to create another variant of, of that virus. Uh, whether or not it got out on purpose or by accident before, what if the second time they say, you know, that, uh, that little incident just cost our main rival $3 trillion that they really don't have. What if we were to purposefully do it the, the second time? I wonder yeah. what they would do. And, oh. and I look at it and I think, I don't think we have the financial wherewithal to do this again, right? No. It's just not... A, I don't. I don't think there's any more uh, magic dollars left in the Fed to to basically do what we've just done. Uh, and in fact, it'll probably take a decade or two before we climb out of the hole we just dug for ourselves. Chuck, I'm out of time. I got about 15 seconds left to thank you for being on. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, good stuff and uh, a good perspective on Texas. Some facts. Thank, thank you. Thank you. All right, that's Chuck Devore, and we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A federal judge has blocked New York State from enforcing coronavirus restrictions, limiting indoor religious gatherings to 25% capacity. 
when other types of gatherings are limited to 50%. Judge Gary Sharp acted today to enjoin Governor Andrew Cuomo, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, and Attorney General Letitia James from enforcing some of the capacity restrictions put in place by executive order to contain the spread of the virus. Texas Governor Greg Abbott scaling back restaurant dining in his state. The moves are the most dramatic reversals yet as confirmed coronavirus cases surge. Texas has reported more than 17,000 new confirmed cases in the last three days. Stocks sharply lower today. The Dow was down 730 points. The Nasdaq was off 260. This is SRN News. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining and bloating again and again. No way. Maybe it's occasional constipation. Maybe it's not. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Maybe it's not occasional constipation. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. You may be able to talk to a doctor online. Visit linzess.com, sponsored by Allergan and Ironwood. Larry Elder, police. You can make interaction with police much easier. We're telling them that that they can run from the police, they can take a weapon from the police, they can fight with the police, and expect nothing to happen. That is the wrong message to send to black youth. What he is suggesting is something that I have been talking about for a very long time. How about complying? How about complying? The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The answer... This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is the central theme of the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place, a film about Corrie ten Boom and her family's heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II, and about her secret army of teenagers. Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with promo code Pittsburgh. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com, promo code Pittsburgh. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got The Answer. Looks like some better going along the Parkway West. Got an accident cleared inbound at 79. Also inbound, seeing a minor delay into the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound Parkway East, about a five-minute delay. Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. And inbound, close to 10 minutes, getting from Forest Hills to the tunnel. Also on the outbound Parkway East, off-ramp to Monroeville, shut down for construction. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. Cloudy for tonight with a shower or thunderstorm, low 67. A shower or thunderstorm to start tomorrow, otherwise breezy and humid with clouds and sun. Watch for a severe afternoon thunderstorm, high 79. Saturday night, cloudy and humid with showers and a thunderstorm, low 66. 
Sunday, clouds and sun with a shower or thunderstorm high 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. This is the John Stackerwall Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, we may or may not have an NFL season. I've been taking the I'll believe it when I see it approach to all sports. But if and when we do, uh, playing of the national anthem could be very interesting. Could also turn into a complete circus, which is why I've been suggesting that the song no longer be played or sung before games. Well, in NFL offices around the country, there have been a lot, has been a lot of discussion about how to handle it. Michael McCarthy of FrontOfficeSports.com, interesting website, by the way, uh, is a media reporter and a columnist there, uh, has the story, and he joins us now. Michael, thanks for being here. Great to be here. Thank you. So how much angst do you think that the, um, that the anthem is causing in, in NFL front offices right now? I think there's a lot of angst. Uh, the last time the networks showed uh, protests, uh, ratings went down two years in a row. Audiences yeah. fell. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that. And a lot of the media is going to tell you that it had nothing to do with the protest, but I think it did. I think it definitely uh, led to the ratings drop. And, um, you know, once the protest sort of dwindled, they stopped showing it. All of a sudden, ratings rebounded. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the, but things have changed since then, obviously. Um, and so, you know, I, I see in your piece that you talked to a marketing expert who said he thinks that the ratings will go up. Um, are, are you buying that? Uh, what you know, this this whole thing will just the whole question of what's going to happen is, and the and the anticipation of it will help ratings. I think it could. Uh, I mean, you put your finger on it a second ago. Things have changed. The mm-hmm. country's in a much different place than we were in 2017 uh, in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, but it, particularly in the wake of these George Floyd protests about racial justice. I think uh, protests and kneeling. By players has become much more accepted and expected. Uh, the other thing you have to realize uh, from the TV point of view is uh, the news networks have been going gangbusters with their ratings because everybody's tuning in to find out what's happening to protests and pandemic. So yeah. I, I think Ernest Canacci had a good point there that people might actually tune in to see exactly what players do about George Floyd once the games begin. Yeah, um, and I think that by the, just just uh, as an aside here, I, I've written some columns about this, and I, I and I said this long before the uh, the George Floyd incident. Uh, that uh, to me, uh, from a marketing standpoint, um, uh, the 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 decision for the team should be either tell everybody to stand up and shut up, or don't play the song because. Um, it's the purpose of the song is not as a you know as a meant for to, for people to express their individual feelings. It's a it's like a it's a, a communal exercise. So um, how are they? I, I just don't see how that they think it's going to be a good idea to have multiple demonstrations going on during the anthem. Uh, even despite despite you know the difference in the climate now than, than from what it was two years ago. I, I think the NFL is going to be quite open to the demonstrations. To tell you the truth, it wouldn't surprise me to see Commissioner Roger Goodell himself take a knee uh, week one uh, once the season kicks off with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, you, you've seen uh, such a 180-degree shift on this topic. Uh, I don't uh, disagree with you. There's going to be people who hate the idea of protest during the national anthem, during the presentation of the American flag. They think it should be two different things, but I, I think the NFL is going to be okay with it. Well, the question, I guess, for the NFL is uh, whether they are, oh, they may be okay with it, but are the the fans going to be okay with it? And you mentioned, the, we talked about the ratings here just a minute ago. Um, is that a gamble? Uh, uh, what did they think that because of what's happened in the last few weeks, that the people who bailed out two years ago are going to stick around now? It is a gamble. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, there's this feeling in, in the media that, you know what I mean, this is going to happen, there's going to be no repercussions. I think there are going to be repercussions to it, and it is a gamble, but I think the NFL is coming down on the side that this is the right thing to do as a league. It's the right thing to do as a players. I mean, you heard 
Goodell himself say we were wrong not to listen to the players the last time about Colin Kaepernick. But, you know, here, here's the other thing from the NFL standpoint. You know, they could do, you know what I mean, all the, the PR moves they want, and they can put out all the statements they want, and can they devote all the money they want. But I don't think they're ever going to square this issue with their own players and, you know what I mean, a lot of their fans, unless Colin Kaepernick gets a job. Uh, I, you know, I think that's kind of where the rubber uh, beats the road. To mm-hmm. tell you the truth, I hear from people inside the league office, they'd love it if a team would uh, hire Colin Kaepernick. But the league can't make that happen and it has to come from a team. Yeah, and, and uh, it's gonna, which team wants the circus that comes with them after they hire them? And, you know, that... Uh, it brings the whole circus into town, the media circus. And it wouldn't, and it wouldn't just be um, sports media either. It would be every conceivable media on the planet would show up uh, for a, a, a practice at, at the Steelers' headquarters if they were the team that signed them. Well, you saw what happened when they did that tryout that the league tried to arrange. You know, it turned into yeah. this uh, whole cause celeb. And, uh, you know, in, in Colin, I, I will take him out of his word, he wants to play football. He wants to be an NFL quarterback again. I mean, maybe he's gambling on the fact that there could be a team out there that would want that kind of circus, that would want that kind of attention, that mm-hmm. would want that uh, kind of controversy. Controversy sells. Colin Kaepernick, as Nike has proven, would sell jerseys, would sell T-shirts. You know, he does have a lot of fans out there. So maybe there's somebody, yeah, you know, particularly um, in the wake of what's happened, would be willing to take that chance. From the from the network's uh, perspective, uh, Jamel Hill mentioned that they they she thinks they're journalistically obligated to cover the story. In other words, they can't go to commercial during the the national anthem because they want to avoid the um, the the uh, the demonstrations, whatever they happen to be. That's right. That's exactly what Jamel Hill told us. You know, if NBC and CBS and ESPN and Fox are going to consider themselves news networks as well as being billion-dollar NFL partners, then they're journalistically obliged to cover the biggest story of the year, which is the protests following George Floyd's death at the hands of police uh, and how athletes are reacting to that. Uh, You know, the, the networks could argue correctly that they usually don't show the anthem, and that's true. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think circumstances have changed, as you said at the beginning of the, the interview, a different time, different country, different place. And we're talking to Michael McCarthy. He's uh, a senior writer at Front Office Sports. He's a sports media reporter and columnist. Um, and, and here's the thing, Michael. I, they, they um, what I think, I don't think they're, that from reading your piece and talking to, and uh, reading what some of the people uh, you talked to said, they seem to be uh, of the opinion that America agrees with their players right now. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I'm buying that. Not for one, actually, I'm not buying it for one minute. So, and I'm and I'm talking about their fans, the people who turn into the right. games, because just from what I'm hearing on Twitter, from people that follow me and people I talk to, uh, I, I still have the same people coming out and saying, first time I, first time I see somebody kneel, I'm done." I, you know, I, I think you have a point there. I, I, you know, I, I would never uh, venture a guess on where the American people are right now. I've never seen the country more divided. Right. And at a point where we, we can't agree on anything. You know what I mean? There's no common ground. Uh, and yeah. uh, I also uh, do know that from covering this story 2017 to 2016, I talked to many people uh, who fans who said that if they kneel during the anthem i'm out i'll never watch another game again now i think some of them came back as the protests went away but i don't think their feelings uh of some of these people have changed i think they're going to do the same exact thing which is they're going to protest the protests and in in your uh in your piece you uh you talked to a pr expert named mike paul and he says that um the players i've seem to be talking about this and they may have i don't know if they have elaborate productions you know in the in the works or what but they it, it's gonna it may be even a lot more than kneeling that's right i mean these are very bright guys they're very media savvy they know how to get their message out you know so if some reason for some reason they can't take a knee during the anthem maybe they write a message on their arm 
or maybe they wear a T-shirt during warm-ups, or maybe they hold a press conference before the game or a press conference after the game. There's a million ways for them to get their message out, and they're going to use all of them. And if they haven't thought of themselves, believe me, all these players, you know, there are many corporations. They all have media advisors and agents and people who are very savvy uh, in communications and branding. They'll, they'll get their message out, trust me. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing. Um, they, uh, uh, I don't know if you saw, there was a column by Jason Whitlock who said that too much of this seems to be about branding. And he's, I guess he's questioning their, um, their, uh, g- whether or not this, their, their concern is genuine or how much of it is for themselves. Well, Whitlock's um, position, we also interviewed uh, Whitlock a couple of uh, weeks ago, was that social media is going to destroy the NFL. Social yeah. media is going to destroy sports. That basically we're in this echo chamber now where we're all performing for each other uh, on Twitter. Uh, you know, he's got a point there. I mean, Twitter is not an accurate representation of reality. It's a funhouse mm-hmm. mirror that distorts and warps issues. I do think you know it does have real feelings and real emotions and real people on it, but I think if you base your strategies and your decisions solely on what people are saying on social media, you're crazy. Yeah, we we had um, we had one of the best players in Steeler history uh, basically leave town, run out of town almost. He twittered himself out of town, tweeted himself out of town. Uh, that would be Antonio Brown. Uh, some of these guys. Um, lose sight of the fact that their number one job is to play football and they get wrapped up in their branding and, uh, you know, uh, and, I couldn't and to, agree to the more. detriment I mean, of the team. That, yeah, I couldn't agree more. When I saw that Facebook Live thing where he actually was yeah. showing people, coaches, you know, post-game talk, you know, violating yeah. the sanctity of the locker room, I was like, this guy's almost an addict at this point. Uh, yeah. no, you know, he's, if you could be addicted to social media, he he was it. Yeah, he's also pretty stupid. That that was one another one of his problems. He's just not a very smart guy. Um, now here's another uh, thing I, that I, I've I, brought I, up. I wouldn't say that. I, I think people, you know, I think you put your finger. I think people get carried away. You know what I mean with their own branding, and they get kind of high on their own supply. And yep. you know, because so many of these athletes exist in an echo chamber with everybody they know tells them, this is great, this is terrific, way to go, blah, blah, blah. Nobody is there yeah. to tell them no. There's, there's no adults in the room to tell them, this is bad. This is a bad idea. Now, here's another question. that I, I don't know if you ran this by any of the executives. I haven't seen anybody run this by anybody uh, at the NFL. Um, what happens if you know everybody thinks that, that, that any demonstration will be related to the Black Lives Matter uh, issue and you know kneeling or something to do during the anthem. What happens if during the anthem um, a, a player holds up a picture of an aborted baby and says that's his cause? And every game he's going to start uh, you know, promoting his cause. And then somebody else, I don't know, some player holds up his wallet because he thinks taxes are too high. It it becomes a total circus. Or does it? Is it only apply to? They only allowed to be people who. Um, are promoting one cause because it you see what I'm saying here where what what it could get to at some point. I, I do see what you're saying. What if uh, some player walks out there with a red MAGA hat? Yeah, is right. If he puts Donald on a MAGA Trump? hat, is that uh, should that be okay? I, I don't know. I don't know how the NFL is is going to react to that. Uh, it's well, is that the can point? of worms they're opening though? Potentially, yeah. I mean, if you allow. Protest. Look, there's, there's a reason why the NFL didn't want protests because everybody has a cause, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, I mean, seventy percent of the league is African American, and a lot of these players feel very strongly about these causes. And the NFL has decided that they were wrong not to take their serious concerns seriously the last time, and they're going to do better this time. Whether or not that opens up, as you put it, a can of worms where, you know, somebody wants to talk about Donald Trump versus Joe Biden in a presidential election or Hong Kong uh, or any other. Right, or what, about, what, what if a black player know. comes out and, and wants to bring up the number of black babies who were aborted? And that's his cause. You know, that's I mean, yeah, that, that, that's as much of a cause as as uh, police brutality to some people. You know, to some people, uh, I, just, I think the NFL is going to have a very 
difficult decision to make, I think. Now, one last thing. i got about a minute left. Um, another thing that I've asked many times, and I've not gotten an answer from anybody, and I don't know, maybe, uh, uh, and we're talking to Michael McCarthy, front office sports, um, maybe you run this by somebody in the front office. How about buying an ad? These guys are all protesting on the company's time. Uh, uh, these guys are making, uh, in some cases, have signed $100 million contracts. How hard would it be for them to uh, pull together uh, some money and produce some really nice, powerful ads promoting their cause that would run during the game that would be on their dime instead of the people who were paying their salary? Not necessary. The NFL has already agreed to do it for them. The NFL is pledging tens and tens of millions of dollars to support the causes named by the players. So everything's a negotiation, professional sports. And in terms of reaching into their own pockets, they don't have to. The NFL is going to do it for them. Oh yeah, well that's that's the case. But uh, they're doing it at, at it's the the people who are paying their salary, the fans. Uh, it, it pisses them off. So they they leave. They, you know they're 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 making the customers mad. I just I would just like to see somebody th- throw some some of their own money behind their cause and buy an ad. But but um, I'm out of time, Michael. I really appreciate you being on. It's great great piece you wrote on this. Hey, my pleasure. Good luck. Okay, and we'll be right back. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. We're Diamond and Silk, and we have a new book coming out called Uprising. The Awakening of Diamond and Silk. No one we grew up with could have dreamed of what we have been able to accomplish. Our mother was born in poverty to sharecroppers. She was living the American nightmare. So for us, the American dream meant not only the freedom to find love and follow our faith. Freedom meant not letting anyone else define who we are what we can do, or who we should vote for. In Uprising, we talk about the world we grew up in and what led us to rebel against that world. And how rebellion led us to speak out on politics and reach millions of viewers and how you can reach others too. You've seen us and you've heard us. Now read all about us in Uprising. Uprising by Diamond and Silk, coming August 18th. Pre-order at Amazon or wherever books are sold. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, they're offering buy one, get one free on a variety of their amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, MyPillow towels, roll-and-go anywhere pillows, duvet covers, Giza pillowcases, bolster pillows, and neck pillows. Plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com and enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. Be sure to use promo code STAG. MyPillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with the global coronavirus pandemic. They'll be making face masks for hospitals across the country. This is Rhett Rasmussen, president of BestHotGrill.com. We've proudly advertised on the Salem Radio Network since 2014, and you've likely heard about our hot, fast Solaire infrared grills, realistic fireplace gas log sets, contemporary fireballs, and stylish Bromic patio heaters. For those who can purchase now, we 
are offering for a limited time a 15% discount and free shipping at our online store, which you may access through besthotgrill.com using coupon code STRONG. That's STRONG during checkout. But if you can't buy now, I have a special offer just for our valued Salem Radio listeners who contact us for a quote by April 30. I will lock in the prices, the 15% discount, and free shipping until the end of this year so you can purchase when you are ready. Contact us for a quote by April 30 and you have until December 31, 2020 to pull the trigger. So go to besthotgrill.com, that's besthotgrill.com, to buy now with code STRONG or contact us for a locked-in quote. Besthotgrill.com. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. It looks like uh, KDK TV scored an interview with uh, Joe Biden and uh, got a pathetic uh, comment from Joe. It says here that uh, Biden says he would use executive powers to force Americans to wear masks in public. That's what we need um, because the one-size-fits-all has worked so well in different states around the country Let's come up with a federal law that everybody in the United States, when they walk out of their house, has to have a mask on. So that when you walk out of your house, everybody you see will have a mask on. Of course, that means when you try to talk to them, you won't be able to hear half of what they're saying. Um, and uh, Ken Rice did the interview, and apparently it says here that the the two inter- the interviewer was, uh, uh, they were eight feet apart and both wearing masks. So they did the interview out in the middle of somewhere, and... They most they, they made sure that they had masks on, and uh, he said Biden uh, was asked if uh, wearing a mask in public helps to slow the pre- spread of the coronavirus. I would go back to making sure that everybody had masks. The one thing we do know is that these masks make a gigantic difference. I would insist that everybody in public be wearing masks. I would do everything possible to make it required that people have to wear masks in public. These are exactly the kind of people you don't want to get anywhere near a public office. This guy wants to be president of the United States and issue a decree that everybody in the country has to wear a mask. There's a really good chance that if he gets elected president, we are all doomed. I'll talk to you on Monday. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of The Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.